Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Chad. And I'm Evan. And you are listening to the Monday Morning Minute. And this week in fictional news, Dungeons & Dragons celebrated its 50th anniversary this week. The game was conceived in the early 70s by Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson and grew quickly into the cultural phenomenon it is today. Congratulations, D&D. You're responsible for much of what we love. Happy birthday to you. That's so awesome, dude. Just, they've been rolling nat 20s for how much since what uh, year? 50 years. I was trying to try to kind of like track it down. Like it seems like in around 1973 is when Gygax and Arneson like really got the ball rolling. But like also, it's kind of hard to like nail down. I mean, I'm sure there's like a, a exact specific date where they came out the first like thousand or three thousand or however many they made. But yeah, they didn't start with very much of a budget. It was like two thousand dollars, which like with inflation is like ten grand. Yeah, I wonder what it was. Probably like a player's manual and like yeah. A... Um, I'm I'm sure that there's like a whole history behind it. Yeah, I think that they had started with like kind of like Napoleonic War type stuff, like okay. simulations and stuff, but not really with D and D. They were playing a lot of different like battles and, and things like that, but they had developed their own after a little while. There were a lot of different variants of kind of like tabletop type RPG like precursors to D and D. I know that D and D wasn't like the very first of its kind, but I think it was the first. That was like as streamlined and 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 creative as as what theirs was, and I think that had, I think they had like a lot of different names for it. But um, from one of the things that I read, it looked like uh, Gygax's like two year old daughter picked D and uh, Dungeons and Dungeons and Dragons. Wow. Um, which I mean, it's obvious. I mean, obviously, like it's like like what else could it be called, really? Like the. Yeah, like that's what it has to be called. It's so pure. Only a two-year-old could come up with that, you know? We had kind of mentioned it in uh, one of our Malazan episodes that we've done, but Steven Erickson and Ian Nesselmont were two Canadian archaeology students just nerding out playing D&D. And uh, I guess uh, from what I'm reading here, it says they quickly tired of the focus on killing monsters and looting their stuff, yeah. but became intrigued by applying archaeological principles to the game. What a couple of nerds super nerds hyper nerd who are the monsters who built these dungeons <laughs> what what history led to the events in 1986 they switched their gaming to the newly released gurps system am i saying that nice. right GURPS? yeah you are yeah you know more about this than me uh, G-U-R-P-S, uh, and developed what became known as the Malazan World, with Ian Esselmont penning the first proto Malazan novel which i didn't even know about this it's called Night of Knives Ooh. uh in 1986 man that is so long before that's 14 years before the second Malazan book came out. Wow. Can't, Steven Erickson was writing a film script with a pen name, Steve London, or maybe his real name is Steve London and he switched to Steven Erickson. But anyway, uh, gardens of the moon was a film script that got quote from what I'm reading here, zero interest from Hollywood. <laughs> and, uh, and he developed it into a novel in 1991. Can you imagine him like presenting them with Malazan? I mean, like, no, man, how would we even no, do this? No, this isn't going to work. I kind of think that Stephen London sounds more like, um, like a name. Yeah, like a name than Stephen Erickson, yeah, right? Yeah. Like Stephen London. <laughs> yeah, like Erickson with like a K, uh, with just no C. K. I don't know. Yeah, uh, Erickson. I don't know. You've never played D&D &D or GURPS, have you? Dude, I haven't played any D&D ever, Man. like none of that stuff. And it's not because I don't want to. I just, I don't know. It's just, it's so involved and it's so, you have to have like 
the time and the crew and the things. Not only do you have to be, yeah, you like it's not just a time commitment for you. It's a time commitment to like a, a few other people too. Yeah. And I've just never like lined up my schedules with my other friends and, and been able to really lock it down like that. If you ever do get the opportunity, I would very much recommend it, especially with a mind like yours. Like you're so, you know, you love fantastical things. You have a great creativity center. You know, you'll, you'll thrive in a D&D campaign for sure. Yeah, I mean, if I if I didn't have my hands in so many different pies right now, like I definitely would want to do that uh, over the podcast or at least have like an adjacent podcast or something where we did that because there are podcasts that do that and they seem to have a lot of fun. Uh, but man, yeah, it's just like it's such an undertaking and it's always just been like this kind of sliver of, of nerddom that I've always kind of admired and from afar and just like thought, man, they're having so much fun with that over there. But I'm just... I just, uh, I just haven't been able to really sink my teeth into it. It's the ultimate revenge of the nerds, right? Because like you ever, people always get made fun of for like playing D and D or something. They might hide it, but like, man, you look at a group of people playing D- Dungeons and Dragons. They are the having the most fun. They like, like they'll be yeah. riotous laughter. Like things will get emotional sometimes. And like, I totally agree with Steven Erickson and his friends. I forget his name already. That he was playing with their kind of approach of it's more than just killing the monsters. Like killing the monsters is fun. Battle scenes are great, but like what's really great is like around the campfire discussions with your crew and like your dwarf voice, you know, and some people can't or don't like to get down like that, but I do. And it is so much fun. And that's always the best parts when we're like deciding what to do. We're all in like character. I wonder what the like actual kit was of Dungeons and Dragons. Cause I know you need the dungeon master's guide. It's like a book and then you need the player's handbook. And then there's like a million monster monster, I hate it when people say monster and I just did it. It's a monster. Uh, monster is not scary at all. So there's a bunch of monster compendiums that are just filled with like monsters that you can fight and it, all the stats of them. Yeah, you would really, people, you know, you can go as deep as you want to. There are tons of different books and all sorts of different add-ons to adjust the game to the player's needs, you know? So it looks like the original D&D set contains three booklets called Men and Magic, Monsters and Treasure, Underworld and Wilderness Adventures plus a reference sheets booklet. And then there was a correction sheet that was bundled in with it later, apparently. But then the reference sheets booklet, which was just loose pages stapled together, was exclusively available in the original D&D set. Nearly every set we've heard about has a booklet with varying pages. But it was like a wood-colored box showing a mounted warrior on a rearing horse. It looks pretty cool. It looks kind of like one of those, um, it looks like almost like a wanted poster kind of, like just the way that it looks. Wow, yeah, it does. I'm looking at pictures. Yeah, it's like very simple and very clear. It just says Dungeons and Dragons with a really awesome image on the front, actually. Yeah, that's really radical. I wonder if people have that tattooed. That thing looks really neat, actually. I'm oh my sure God. they do. That's an awesome image. Things like kind of reminiscent of like uh, Jumanji, you know, it looks like a that type of game, you know. Sure, D&D yeah, is a hard yeah. one because it's like you can't there's no board for it. Yeah, like people can get grids and stuff to help them navigate like a battlefield because sometimes it helps to be like for your blocking to kind of know like I am 30 feet away from this person to my right and I know that this spell has a 45 foot radius and so it kind of helps to your blocking. Uh, one time I went on a road trip with my brother and two friends and we just played D&D. Like the car rides were absolutely the best. Like that's our even when we got to our destination, we just drove around continuing to play D&D because it was just so much fun. Though I've played GURPS before, and GURPS I like more than D&D. GURPS stands for Generic Universal Role-Playing System, and that's exactly what it is. So the problem, well, 
an aspect of D&D that I find restricting is like the class system. So you have to decide beforehand whether or not you want to be a warrior or a thief or a ranger or a, a wizard or whatever. And once you choose that path, you will have certain things come easier to you, like learning the skills and things to make spells. But you may have things harder to you that you just can't do, like wear plate mail if you're a wizard. So, you know, by by choosing a class, you're kind of restricted in how you can grow, what direction you can grow. The wizard's going to get good at wizardly things. He's never going to become like a barbarian smash and learn an intimidate skill. Whereas with GURPS, it doesn't have those restrictions. So it's really just like, a it's kind of D&D broken down to its just point system because you're like assigned... There's different like versions of D&D that came out and each of them works kind of in their own unique way. But generally, you get assigned like a group of points at the beginning of your character creation that you put in different skills. So like strength, wizard, <laughs> wizard, strength, wisdom, constitution, dexterity, that sort of thing. And then you assign those based upon the class that you want. With GURPS, you're not really restricted by anything. If you are like a warrior or like a thief or something... Um, and that's like kind of the role that you played because your skills were best suited for that. You could still use your points to get to invest in like a fireball spell. So you get these crazy like cross classings and it was just worked really, really well if you weren't trying to be restricted. And uh, I had some of the best campaigns in my life on the GURP system. I'm not surprised that Steven Erickson and uh, his friend picked that kind of foundation to build their world upon for sure. Just the most open ended. Well, congratulations, D&D. Like, damn, uh, they're, yeah. they're just... So many amazing things came out of, I mean, just including well, the reason that we talked about Malazan right here is because we're reading it, obviously, but like Malazan Book of the Fallen might not exist without D&D and then GURPS after it, obviously. But man, it's just so neat to think about all the things that were influenced by two men who were also really influenced by the writers that were writing fantasy, like, you know, probably like Fritz Lieber, Michael Koch, uh, Tolkien, obviously. But then it grew into this other thing that spawned so many things and then also because it was there was like this kind of D, &D movement like um kind of not necessarily canon but just like this image of like what fantasy was then we have people kind of coming in and breaking those conventions and creating even more fantasy off of that too and then those totally. conventions get broken it's it's just so amazing to look back 50 years and just see like what the state of fantasy was and it's just we just owe such a huge debt to D D, even though I've never played it before. Like I still have so much respect for it, you know. It goes beyond that, even like if you look at the like video games, right? Like what's happening in a video game when you attack a character? Well, in the background of that video yeah, game, right. there's a comparison of numbers: your attack rating versus their defense score or their dodge or whatever the two numbers are. Right. The difference in those numbers are being like multiplied by a multiplier, and then that is equaling the result of your strike. Well, usually it's like another damage throw once you successfully make it, and that equals the output of your damage you successfully hit and you do it for this many points that's happening in a millisecond a million times every video game and like you're just doing that in D, &D you're just rolling it out so battles can take a lot longer but yeah it's cool that the like mechanics for D, &D laid down the foundation of like what's happening inside of for every video games game. yeah yeah that's, that's awesome. amazing wow yeah that was a good uh news item i like that what are you up to this week oh man uh yeah this week uh not a whole bunch of reading like newer stuff really uh just because we're we're really kind of wrapping up like dude i know podcast reading yeah we're doing a lot of podcast reading which i'm so happy about though because we like, finished gardens of the moon we did our we crushed out gardens of the moon we man like that book, gardens of the moon 
I'm I'm really really glad we finished Gardens of the Moon. Dude, we were given grapes and made wine. Yeah, I did not want to spend six weeks on Gardens of the Moon. I'm so, no. so happy that we like we read it, we did it, we're done with Gardens of the Moon. Now we're into the meat of Malazan. That's so cool. Yeah, but I liked it just fine. I mean, I've read it three just freaking fine. times now, so I hope I don't ever have to read Gardens of the Moon. If, if I ever read Malazan again, I'll probably just skip Gardens of the Moon because <laughs> I've read it enough at this point. Especially after doing this podcast, because now you have only read it and you have like diagnosed it right you've picked it apart so i think your memory will probably be yeah, up to the no, task I can't of do it just again. i don't want to do it again and then i finished binti by nidia korfor we just put an episode out about that i really liked it a lot yeah, we did that's the second i guess technically the fourth nidia korfor book i've read uh they've all been excellent books she's just an awesome writer and binti was delightfully weird and i thought we had a really awesome conversation about that uh, if you're listening right now and you're curious go check out at least the first like few minutes of that podcast and decide whether or not you want to read that book for yourself it definitely hit us with some topics we've never talked about before it's funny because like i felt like we i felt like we were kind of shoving binti in because we like said we were going to read it you know and for some reason i was like oh god i forgot, I forgot we have to read binti and then like <laughs> as soon as i started it, i was like oh i'm so happy we're reading this this is awesome because it was just like so different than the other things that we had been reading it drops and it just don't stop you know i mean we'd re- we're reading like red rising and Faithful in the Fallen and Skolomance and stuff, and then Binti is just like this whole other thing, and it was just like really refreshing. You're right. It is a totally different thing. Yeah, totally. It's like we were listening to rock music, and we just got hit with like EDM. Nothing but drop. Yeah, it's really neat. Um, and then, so that, yeah, I read the the uh, the podcast stuff. I'm like halfway through Lightbringer. Yeah. I'm reading it really slowly. I know that you finished it. Dude, I nom-nommed my way right on I know, through. I know. Man, Lightbringer is stressing me out in all the best ways. I'm about halfway through it, so a lot of you know like where I'm at. If you've read Lightbringer and you know about the halfway point, man, like I was in a coffee shop today reading it. Anybody that was like that saw me reading that book was probably just like, "What the hell is that guy reading?" Because I was my mouth was open and I had like my I was like kept running my hands through my hair. So I like just, I was just having pacing up and down the table. Like. Yeah, I mean it was I was definitely I probably looked way stressed out because I was. I mean the book is just it was like giving me anxiety in a really good way. But uh, yeah, we'll have I'll have Lightbringer finished up here pretty soon. Then we're done with Red Rising. Yeah, we're all finished with Red Rising after that. Yeah, which just took us forever to read those books. Damn. I I really need to keep in mind that this is not the last book in the Red Rising series. No, there's one more. It's been really hard to get that out of my mind. And I keep thinking that and I'm like, man, got some work to do. And then I'm like, wait, nope, there's one more. Yeah, Red God. I don't know when that comes out, but I'm, I mean, I'm excited to see like how this all wraps up. And it's just been such a journey. I've read about 40 pages of Throne of Glass, 45 pages of Throne of Glass. I want to reserve judgment until I've read more of it. Because right now, like, I don't want to give like any like real. I, I'm gonna let everyone know next week. Our first episode is is next Wednesday, uh, February seventh. That'll be our first Throne of Glass episode. I like it right now. It's reading very much like a fantasy. Just I just don't. I haven't read enough of the book yet to give like any real opinion of it at all. Like I've only had like one sitting where I sat and read some of it. It's cool. Like it's. I can tell already that this is gonna be like fun to talk about is it punchy i haven't started it at all dude it's yeah i mean it's sarah j moss like she's just she's immersive and she really just sticks to what's interesting and she is immersive it, i think the main character is going to be pretty cool but i've heard that the first book is like a little rough around the edges but i think she wrote it when she was like 16 or something wow. so this is her first book she ever i'm not wrote? expecting a i don't know if she, it's the first book she ever published wow so I don't know if it's like the first book she ever wrote she was really really young when when it when she finished it but i don't know i mean like if you told me it was like a 25 year old person or like a 30 year old, I don't know. 
it's not like right when you start reading it you're like this is a teenager like easily but also with that being said when you tell me this was written by a 16 year old you're kind of like totally totally <laughs> like for sure i've heard so much from people that are like throne of glass is the series to read akatar is fun it's great but throne of glass is like her best her best work so i'm really stoked to see like how this goes and and how our conversations go about it and stuff i think it's gonna be really fun totally we had a lot of fun reading akatar like a lot of fun and dude some of the funniest episodes that we've ever created were some of those like no i mean yeah. we weren't like making fun of it the whole time we, i genuinely enjoyed it though there are some things that you know we were critical of but they were just really fun we had a lot of fun uh with those episodes and i'm just kind of stoked to take it back to sarah j moss's roots and kind of get some like moss cannon in me you know some moss cannon in yeah you. some moss cannon in me you know <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a whole ton of fun. Also, I just started today reading uh, You Can't Spell Treason Without Tea by Rebecca Thorne. And I, it's another one I, I'm like 20 pages in. I, I can't stress enough, like it's just been Lightbringer has been like my main priority. Like I'm kind of digging into some other books right now. I'll have a better opinion of some of the stuff that I'm reading like next week. But Lightbringer really is just, if you've read the book, then you understand like how much of my mental energy it's taking me to read this book. Because like, I'm going to say one thing real quick. It's kind of critical. I don't think... Okay. I I know that this is kind of harsh. I'm not coming at this as like being, trying to be an asshole. I don't like the way that Pierce Brown writes out space battles. Like I just... No. I, it's such a mess. Like it's just such a mess. Like every, And I... I don't think that it's because he's a bad writer at all. I think he's an excellent writer. No, you can be. Um, you have things I, that you're not man, good at. Though, like, dude, <laughs> it's just like sometimes it's just like it's just like, dude, like, what the hell is going on right now? Yeah. Also, Pierce Brown seems to really enjoy like leading you along and like not telling you really anything that's happening, and then like three chapters later being like, "Ha ha, gotcha!" Like, right. bet you weren't expecting that. I can't explain anything to you because we're all on fire. We gotta like, and then you that goes on for twenty pages. It's it's just. It's very. I don't feel like included in the story like at all <laughs> sometimes, and and I and I know that that's like his style. I get it, but there's just it's frustrating sometimes when it's just like I don't know what's part of the plan and what's not part of the plan and what's about to. Totally. Like, I can't predict the future and like know what's gonna be revealed to me later. There's so many Darrow gotchas. I feel like sometimes like and it, and this happens with Malazan too sometimes actually, but it's it's a frustrating feeling when you aren't sure if you miss something. And so I found myself like going back into other chapters to to be like, what did they talk about this? And it's like, no, they didn't talk about this. Actually, it's it's part of a plan that they made off the page that they're going to reveal once the plan has been uh, for like uh, come. Th well, what's the word I'm looking for? Once the plan has been fulfilled and realized, you know what <laughs> I mean? It's like so you will know whether the plan succeeded when you hear about the plan in retrospect after it's either succeeded or failed. Right, but the right. entire time up leading up to that is really frustrating because it's like, what the hell is happening right now? And so with these space battles, sometimes it's just like, aha! And you're like, what is that? <laughs> like, and they're just like, oh, well, we'll see in just a few paragraphs when we explain everything that happened while you weren't looking. And it's like, well, I was looking this entire time. You didn't write it, Pierce. Like you didn't. It's kind of like the Michael Bay the of authors, you know, <laughs> it's just very, um, it's very bombastic and bombastic, very, uh, like, that's the right it's like word. Very, it's just, it's just nobody writes pure hellish chaos like Pierce Brown does. Totally, you which is I mean? why his battles are so awful and so good, right? With all the criticism I just laid at his feet, they are really fulfilling once you actually do kind of catch up with what's going on. And Oh, the emotionally, yes. 
Yeah, it's very fulfilling. It's just, it's just very, um, I don't know. It just feels like he's, he's just playing with my emotions like so hard sometimes, you know, but it's totally. fine. It's a cool read. But like I, I'm just saying, the reason I say all of that stuff is just because that this book is requiring a lot of my mental energy. I haven't even really been reading Dead House Gates. I like, just finished a prologue last night. Um, but Dead House Gates is the other thing that I'm reading right now. Uh, so yeah, the four books that I'm reading right now are Throne of Glass, Can't Spell Treason Without Tea, Lightbringer, and Dead House Gates, which is a pretty banger quartet of books to be reading. Like I've got a cozy fantasy that seems to be not as cozy. Actually, like the, from what I've read, it looks like it's going to be also kind of edgy too, which I'm Throne kind of glass? excited about. I want to no, um, I can't spell Treason Without Tea. I don't think oh, Throne it, of Glass okay. is cozy. <laughs> doesn't feel doesn't feel very cozy. I think it's cozy for some people for like nostalgia. I just remember like uh, like spell texts and like bubble baths and stuff from Akatar. Oh yeah, the like bathing in starlight. And yeah, totally. Cozy and sweaters like... and, and chintz lounges and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like love fantasy <laughs> texts and stuff. There was a part in Akatar where um, Feyre put on like a like a a white oversized sweater and like black leggings. And I was just like, oh, they got Lululemon in uh, Akatar land. <laughs> that's like the coziest outfit you could have possibly. But like, think about yeah. where they are, though. They're in Valaris. Is that the name of the city? Especially if it was Reese's sweater. Exactly. I was like, did you steal that sweater? <laughs> yeah, probably you stole it. But anyway, uh, yeah, that's all I'm reading this week. So I'll, I'll keep everybody kind of clued in next week when I've finished uh, Can't Spell Treason Without Tea and gotten through the first Throne of Glass book and stuff. And then Deadhouse Gates, we've got an episode coming out for that this week, of course. And uh, yeah, we'll, I'll probably finish Lightbringer here in the next couple of days, and then and then we're just focusing on Malazan and Throne of Glass, and then like a third book that Chad and I will read by ourselves, or not by ourselves, but individually. And I think that that's just kind of going to be what's going on. Totally, it has it has to be. <laughs> I it can't do it anymore. Please, please. It has to be. And I mean, you know, us. I feel like there's going to be times that we're just like, well, I was reading these other seventeen things and decided know, to start this one, but like, so I don't know. Silly. I feel like we've gotten we've matured a little. For sure, we've we have right. we've grown, Chad. But yeah, we've grown, we've grown, we've we've turned a new page. One might say. Do you watch anything? Yeah, I was just about to bring it up. Uh, on Monday, I went and saw Godzilla minus one. Oh, oh was it plus man. one? Dude, that movie rocks. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. It was, Why I is mean, it so good? Because it's it's Godzilla. The way that it was probably in like the I mean I've seen a couple of the old Godzilla movies. I'm like yeah, I mean like. They're not awesome, you know. Like they're cool, no. like they're, but like you know, it's not up to the task. <laughs> I'm sure they were good in like the 60s and 70s, but like right now, it's like I don't really want to watch. But it's the same studio. I'm pretty, I'm fairly, I'm like almost 100 percent sure it's the same studio. Uh, it's like that classic Godzilla feel, but with a huge budget, really amazing sound design, great music, great acting, awesome storytelling. Like it's, it's a fantastic movie. Godzilla is like this the same kind of it's so hard to explain i don't want to spoil it either because i want you to go i want everybody that's listening to go watch it uh, it's pg-13 too i mean it's not like super bloody or messed up or anything it's just a good time just a good time i mean it's also like kind of intense at some parts it's not like a family yeah, it's, it's movie, a monster so. movie <laughs> like i wouldn't like get like my younger people in my family like like gather like them around 10 and, like and under is godzilla movie probably no i would probably freak some people out it's just like yeah because like i mean it's i bet it'd be scary for like younger kids because yeah. godzilla is like i feel like they put all the work into like his face and okay. then the rest of the time he kind of just looks like a guy in a suit huh. which oh, is funny it's funny like the the guy in the suit i know it's not really a guy in the suit i mean it could be for all i know i don't know how the movie was made but it, like the old godzilla movies are a guy in a suit 
totally. a bunch of miniatures around. But him. I mean, one could argue uh, that's what was like the worst part of those movies. What the Godzilla attack parts? No, the the visual aspect element. Oh, of I them, see what you're saying. They're so no. old, you know, like so. It's nice that we can do better. <laughs> but it's interesting because it's like he still walks the same. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it's still like this kind of stilted, like very slow, like almost robotic movement. But honestly, though, it kind of adds to how terrifying that would actually be. Like it's, it's like unstoppable. He's never going. to Yeah, it's like a, this unstoppable, like almost like banal, like force. Indifference. It's just like yeah. crushing stuff. Uh, also, uh, the music, the, the freaking music, man, like the, the, the theme, the Godzilla theme is so recognizable. It was just like that, bom, 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 bom. like it's just like it's yeah. so creepy. I like the hip hop song that it, that they sampled too for that. Nice, I'm stoked to hear that. I'll hear that right now. Have you never listened to it? No, not the hip hop sample from it. Who does it? Maybe. Really? Oh my god, it's like a really popular. You guys didn't know what I was. What would I search for? Godzilla hip hop sample. Yeah, like oh. check, look up. Uh, it's um, Pharaoh Monch. Simon says, "Have you not heard this song?" Second, wait for the beat to drop. Oh, I have this. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a sample Simon from says, Godzilla. Get <laughs> yeah, it's like a, I was like, how have you not heard this song? Like, yeah, it's a classic I, I didn't have that song. like associated in my brain with uh, Godzilla. I think it's sped up a little bit because like boom, I think boom, in boom, the boom. original track it's like blah 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 blah. It's like really really slow. Okay, but for the sample for the hip hop song, they like sped it up a little bit. Totally. Uh, it's like that classic like '90s hip hop where like the snare is just like like every rhyme is just like on the snare hit. Like, <laughs> yeah, totally. Da, da, da. A B A. But man, uh, Godzilla minus one. If you haven't seen it, go see that freaking movie. It's awesome. I don't know if it's in theaters anymore. I think we saw it in like one of the last weeks that it was still in theaters. Okay. But even at your house, for the, the just turn the volume up, watch it during the middle of the day or something, and like really blast it because uh, the sound design is really good. And I was just so happy to see it because I've seen some other Godzilla movies that are just like I feel like they've been flirting with it being good you know yeah like the, totally the, that brian cranston one that came out was like kind of stupid and totally. uh like the matthew broderick one is just like silly at this point like kind of like thinking about it it's just kind of a dumb movie and uh, what's the one that came out like early 2000s that has the eye on it the one you're thinking of is the one that came out in the late 90s with matthew broderick and like hank azaria yeah, my i like that one a lot what are you talking about dude and they have like little baby ones at the end they all have yeah, like, it's, like a little it's, like it's outbreak stupid. like <laughs> they're like velociraptors dude i thought i really like that one dumb. It, granted, it's been like 20 years since I've seen it. So <laughs> it was just so refreshing to go see something that it was just it was new age fun with a vintage feel. What else can I say? Ooh, well said. That was a good summary on that. Yeah, apparently they're celebrating like the 70th anniversary of Gohira, uh, which was 1954, which is nuts. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I thought maybe it came out. It had originally come out in the 50s, but I didn't want to be like super wrong about that on air. Yeah, yeah. No, it's cool. uh, celebrating the 70th year of and it was 1954. Damn, that's really, really cool. Yeah, I mean, it, it felt it felt classic. It felt like um, obvious. I think that's the word I'm going to use for it. Like, not in a bad way. I don't mean it in a bad way. I just mean like when I was watching it, I was just like, of course, like they should do Godzilla justice. Like, right, like, right. It's so nice and like that we finally got one. Godzilla is such an obvious monster, too. You know, like, yeah, I know. That's and great. That's a great way to do it. Just go see it. That's all I'm going to say. Just watch it. OK, OK. You're talking into it. On a completely different note, I watched a uh, one of the new Disney movies because I'm in kind of like an animated movie. Yeah. And with all this Malazan, you got to like, yeah, I know. Disney seriously. Yeah. But I watched Raya and the Last Dragon. OK, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Like, I thought it was like. I was a little hyped from the trailer. I was like, this looks freaking awesome. Right, and dragons. Yeah, and then, like, I don't know. It was, it's a Disney movie, man. Like, I'm 33. Yeah. Like, like, it's, <laughs> it was 33. like, parts parts of it were, like, really awesome. Like, uh, so, the, uh, so the visuals, so freaking good. Stunning. Like, so, so awesome. Aquafina as, like, the dragon is 
really funny and like added a lot of like heart to the movie so that was really cool and then like the setup and like the world building were pretty cool too i would say but then there were just like parts of the movie where i was just like why the hell would they i was like digging into it but it's cool i mean it's, it's got like a really neat like southeast asian kind of vibe to it and Ooh, there cool. hasn't, haven't been any disney movies that have done that really so yeah like the art style was really awesome but there were just parts of the movie where it's just like why don't they just go do this and like it would totally solve the whole issue you know what i mean like you have a dragon <laughs> like it's not even just i mean that's part of it but there was just <laughs> i feel like sometimes there's just like like forced conflict sometimes when it's like could uh, this just be kind of like figured out with a phone call you know what i mean right, we can definitely talk this out yeah, seriously that was like a part <laughs> of me and if you've seen ryan the last dragon like maybe you agree with me maybe you don't but i was just kind of like by the end of it i was just like oh well that's cool. You know, like, good thing they, they figured that all out. Like, but I was really invested. Isn't that a little funny that they always tend to do that with kids movies? Like they have the smallest problem be the thing that they like lose their marbles over, which is like not really the lesson that you want kids to walk away with. Like, dude, we go all out war every <laughs> well, time see, we have a problem. But like they have to make small things bigger because you don't want to introduce little kids to big things. Right. That's just they're not right, ready for that. Yeah. So it's kind of this weird situation that they're in. I'm not blaming them for it. I just think it's interesting. <laughs> um, well, because I was watching with Effie and I must be like the most frustrating person to watch movies with because like I'm in podcast mode all the time. And, you know, I want to like sure. dig stuff like pausing the movie to be like why would they do that and if he's just like wow you need to stop like i hate you i'm gonna break up with you you know she didn't say that but i felt i felt I it i knew she was her. going to we were we were moments away but yeah i got to enjoy the movie a lot more because Effie was just like dude it's just vibes just it's just about feelings you know we what i mean like vibing this is just right a, now man just a movie about feelings like just let it go um but man uh, i would still absolutely recommend it it kind of is another one of those movies that like because of covid and stuff it just kind of fell under the radar and like nobody really i think it was streamed a lot for like kids and stuff but i don't know i just typically with like big disney releases it's like oh, i want to go check that out but totally with covid everything around covid was just like ah i don't know what's going on like it's on streaming but you can kind of go see it in a theater or like whatever, maybe with like a private party or something. And like, so nothing really got the attention that it really needed. And I think that um, Onward is another example of that because that's totally. a really cool movie. And then um, Ryan the Last Dragon was just like, uh, and then also I think Encanto came out the same year too because of like scheduling. I haven't seen that one, but I've heard really good things about Disney it. Disney put out like two really big movies in like one year, which I don't think they typically do that kind of stuff. And it was the year of COVID. <laughs> <laughs> but I've heard Encanto is really good. Actually, I'm pretty sure Encanto of the two of Ryan the Last Dragon and Encanto. Encanto is like the better movie. But I don't know. I'll keep watching some animated stuff because um, all of it just looks amazing. Like it really is yeah. like if you if you do what you're supposed to do with these movies and what I was supposed to do with Ryan the Last Dragon before I got way too over analytical. If you just vibe your way through it and really appreciate like the technical marvel just that vibe is vibe your way movies. through it. Dude, like there was like a That's there was like a close up advice, though, with, really. Seriously, like there was a close up with um, Raya was like hugging the dragon and you could see like every single like individual hair. hair? It, was, like, oh, dude, it was like, it looked, I can't believe how good it looks, man. I was dude, just that like, and water, like fur and water. When I see animated to its max, it's like so amazing. If you like those kinds of effects, then you should absolutely watch Raya and the Last Dragon because there's so many water effects and the water Ooh. looks better than water does in real life. Dude, <laughs> like, I love better. that. I'll watch it on my projector and it'll be like half the room be filled with just HD crispy 4K awesomeness. I think you would like it. Check it out. Okay. I think you'd I like it. It's, it's, a, it's a cool movie. It's a it's a good like fantasy romp, you know? I love me a fantasy romp. I know you do. That's my favorite. I, I, you're, you're all about it. By the way, every D&D &D campaign ever is a fantasy romp. <laughs> 
All right. Last thing I want to talk about real quick is uh, I restarted uh, the Halo games. I started playing Halo Ooh. again. At one? Yeah. Wow. Is you going to play all the way through just the um, the missions and stuff, like the storyline? I don't know what I'm going to do, really. Uh, well, I mean, I'm going to play all the missions. I don't know if I'm going to even play the entire thing. I was just like, I really wanted to revisit the story. Yeah. How's it holding up? Man, the story is so cool. Like, it's funny because I haven't played the games in a while. Long like, time. I've, like, play, I've like played separate missions and stuff because I have an Xbox, so I have like the Master Chief collection. But I haven't like started at the beginning and like watched like all the cutscenes and stuff. Uh, so I'm like about a third of the way through the first Halo game. And I like forgot, and not even forgot really. I don't know if I really paid that much attention to the story. Like I read some of the books and stuff, but like I don't think I really like really stopped and really I think I skipped through a lot of those cutscenes because I just wanted to shoot aliens. You totally. Know? I mean a lot of it was multiplayer too, right? Uh well yeah, I mean like that's why a lot of people bought the games for sure. Is the multiplayer. Yeah, that's how the story I got into is really it. good. Yeah, I like the story a lot. It's really cool. It's such a good idea. You know, like a um, and I mean, I think it really takes shape in the second game. And for anybody that's not familiar, Halo is is about us as humans. We like come into contact with an alien race who they're a little crazy. You know, <laughs> they really like attacking stuff. They're a little crazy, and the the galaxy has been kind of plagued. And I use the word plague intentionally here, uh, plagued by like this other kind of like organism called the Flood. And every now and then, the flood kind of comes in and kills a lot Halo of people. One? So, yeah, it is in Halo One. Is, is I'm not trying one? to wow. like I'm not trying to like spoil too much, but essentially, uh, the, the the main story of the the games and the books, because there's a, quite a few Halo books too, is that these rings they are their own planets almost. You know, they're like these big hyperstructures out in totally. space, and like rivers rings, and lakes and stuff. Yeah, they're they're rings with like. There with terrain and rivers and lakes and stuff on them and an atmosphere and everything on the inside of the ring there's like quite a few of these rings they this other alien race before the alien race that we came into contact with used those rings to purge all life in the galaxy they to, made them to right kill this yes they made yeah. them so that they could purge all life in the galaxy to get rid of this organism that was a plague on the galaxy so it was like this big giant like control alt delete button wow yeah and then a long time later humans come into contact with this alien race who uh has basically control of these rings here's the kicker though this alien race uh worships these rings and uh they have like a theocracy that's kind of running this entire species and they think that the rings are like their gateway to like heaven. So they're trying to turn the rings back on. And it's a <laughs> Which, wild story. Unbeknownst like, to them kills all of life in the galaxy. Oh, they know it does. They know it does. What? But they're they're like oh, they're like, like religious thing. fanatics. Yeah, I know. It's such a good idea for a story. And like that's a really good idea. I had always kind of known what it was about, but like because I think the, the story really develops in the second game. You know, like the first game, it's very developed, of course. And then there's like a prequel book called The Fall of Reach, which is I've read that one and I've read The Flood, and I think I've read like Ghosts of Onyx and the Cold Protocol and like wow, I've read actually kind of you've quite read a quite a few, yeah. But this is one of those things Evan does all the time where he's like, Oh, I've only read like one or two of those, and then proceeds to list from memory eleven. And you're like, bro. <laughs> well, I think I read them all when Classic. I was like like eighteen or nineteen. Okay. I, I was smoking a lot of weed. A lot dumber back then. But it's funny because like I do know quite a bit about the story because I've read some of the books, but like I'd never really like what a weird way to go back to this game. Cause it's like, I've read a lot of the books. I know a lot about the lore, but like never really sat and watched any of the cut scenes for the games. Cause I just want to like skip through them and go kill stuff. You know, they did such a good job at making their game. They made it. So you didn't did. know the story yeah. of their game because the gameplay was so much fun. Or I found uh, the game was so compliment. fun to play that I had to go read books. 
Yeah. <laughs> to go read those stupid books. This whole time, unbeknownst to you, as soon as you started talking about Halo, I went and turned on the original soundtrack. <laughs> so in my ear, like the entire time you've been talking, I've had like, oh, and it's really aided the whole experience for me. It's been great. That first Halo game, man, like it. The soundtrack shot the Xbox into the like the Xbox wouldn't be anything. It probably wouldn't even be a console because it was getting crushed by the PlayStation. And then it came out with that and everyone bought Xboxes only for that game. Yeah. I mean, believe me, I have an Xbox. I have the new Xbox, uh, the Xbox Series S. Xbox sucks. Like, (laughs) I mean, I don't know if anything about it now, if it does now or not, but it definitely got it through some some dark days for sure. Halo did. Yeah, I'm going to buy a PS5 at, at my earliest convenience. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I like my Xbox just fine. I like the controller a lot. Don't get me wrong. I love me some Halo, you know, uh, some some Gears of War or whatever. But yeah, I mean, PlayStation, PlayStation's like better in like every regard. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like a better, a better piece it's, of it's machinery. It's been better for like a while. But anyway, that's uh, that's it for me. I watched some movies, played some cool games and read some amazing books. So yeah, what a, what a good week. Right before we hopped on this, we were uh, meeting with our Discord mods, which we tried to do quarterly, and we added a few in there. And I just want to let everybody know what they are, as if you are a member of the Book Reviews Kill Discord, if you're not, what are you doing? And if you are, then you'll be familiar with the screen name Lindsay Reads A Lot and Bookish Gamer Girl. They're very active and have been promoted. They have been dubbed sirs in our community and given the moderator (laughs) role. So don't go saying things that you shouldn't or else they might kick you out. Evan and I can't be mean, so we're forcing them to do it. <laughs> I mean, we can be mean if you're being mean in the Discord. I would like to see you try to be mean. You'd just be bad at it. I don't know if I could do it. Yeah, I don't know. You could be grumpy. Yeah, I might, I might get grumpy mean. if someone's mean in the Discord. But yeah, the Discord's growing all the time. And uh, yeah. just having people in there that are kind of... And it's not even really to like boot people out or anything or whatever. Or whatever. It's mostly just so that if somebody tries to post a bunch of porn in there, we can delete yeah. it. Yeah, it's to protect our hallowed halls. Yeah, um, but it is nice that, you know, because the Discord is growing so much and very uh, rapidly. There's always so many things happening in there that Chad and I can't possibly just be in there. We can't regulate two, over almost 2,500 people, you know? So, uh, not that we need to regulate, but like Evan said, you never know when someone's just going to get in there, some troll, and start just. It's mostly for spamming trolls, or something. Yeah. yeah. Or it's bots usually. I never was like, we need mods so that we can rein in all of our users or no, anything like no. that. It's, it's mostly just so that at three in the morning, if me and Chad are asleep, I don't wake up to like a thousand like porn links that yeah, are clogging no. up the Discord. Because people do it. Like, I don't know why they do it. No one's going to click on that. So I like, know. Like, how many bracelets do you sell? Just posting a link know. to one in every channel on every Discord server. Like, that's a ridiculous approach at like marketing kind seems of, like you know? a lot of work like it seems yeah. like a lot of effort just to p- uh, piss everybody off it's like no one's gonna be like wow they drive a oh, hard bargain like, right <laughs> i needed this service like no <laughs> oh singles in my area i didn't even yeah. know I had no clue they were out here the whole time wow no clue. wow i found out about it in the book reviews kill discord dude wow what value yeah i've never really understood that sort of thing maybe there's like a fraction of a fraction of a fraction or they're trying to get clicks so they can prove to like investors that they get this much traffic or something i, I don't no know there's idea. I've, I've thought about it quite Some a bit men sometimes. just want to watch the world effort. burn, man. Dude, seriously. <laughs> but anyway, that Discord is growing, and uh, we wanted to get some more mods up in there so uh, we could just have more awesome people doing awesome things. And it's pretty awesome. So you're awesome, which I know you are. Go be awesome in our Discord. And we have some changes coming to it, too. Not like super major ones, but just like additions and stuff that people have been asking about. Words and, that you can't uh, say anymore. <laughs> you know, restrictions of basic freedoms. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, more like ideas for <laughs> engagement and things that you can do. And like, um, I don't know, we're really trying to like bring the 
community to the community, right? And like get people engaged. And so we're having some little, there's some fun little features that you can do in Discord and get people talking about some cool stuff, kind of focus some conversations on, onto some topics, which is always fun. So I'm stoked. Honestly, that's been like the coolest part about having mods is because Chad and I are like, well, could we do this? And someone's like, well, yeah, there's a whole mechanism for that built into right. it. Yeah, of course you can do that. And we're like, well, we had no idea you Whoa. could even do that. Wow. What an amazing feature that people have been asking about. <laughs> and we were like, we don't know how to do it. When we gave them more power, like, I don't know, like eight months ago or something, they asked for like some higher level permissions or something because they wanted to like do some stuff with bots and things that Evan and I didn't yeah, really understand. Totally. And then like, they're like, can we just like do this? It'll be so much better. We promise. We're like, yeah, totally. And then we logged in one day. I was like, it wow, was this so is much so much better. <laughs> he's like like, how long does this take you like it's all automated bro everything takes care of itself like oh wow thank you (laughs) a few clicks you could have done it anytime if you just would have known yeah truly the book community is awesome i bet you if you were to pick like a community and then like figure out the percentage of people in that community that you could like have watch your kids or like give a hundred dollars and come back later in the day they still have that hundred dollars for you um our community and just the book community more generally speaking i'm pretty sure is the the largest one that you'd be like, yeah, no, anyone in there could watch my kids. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I mean, there, there's always volatile conversations whenever it comes to kind of like nerdy stuff and, and people are very passionate about the, like the media they consume. Totally. And I think that's totally valid. Like it takes up such a big chunk of your life. You know, it's so many of the things that you grew up with, so many of the things that you identify with and connect with Culture. and express yourself through. Like it totally makes a, a ton of sense. But that being said, some niche communities can get like really toxic and really intense. Yeah. But I found that the book community, that, that, I mean, yeah, stuff, stuff comes up for sure. I'm not even going to sure. try to sit here and say that like, oh, there's definitely some drama. I've seen some stuff. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some stuff where I've just been like, "Damn, I thought we couldn't sink any lower, but this is pretty gnarly." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but on the whole, I'd say, yeah, I agree with you. People are yeah. really awesome. Yeah, yeah there's exceptions really to cool. every rule, but yeah, more generally speaking, yeah. uh, all y'all are, and if you're awful, you know who you are, and get the hell out of here. <laughs> okay, we don't need that drama. But also, thank you for listening. But also, thank you for listening. Yeah, yeah, great. Really, really appreciate your time here. <laughs> Tell me about your week. <laughs> okay, I will. That was fantastic. Okay, so this week is a lot of the same stuff that you read. I tried to not like inject your stuff with commentary, kind of let you roll, because I knew that I would be saying like similar things on my list because, you know, just trying to clean up some things so we can position ourselves how we want to be positioned, as we've talked probably too much about. But I did, I finished lots of things. Binti, finished Binti, love it. Go listen to the episode that we talked about it. After you're reading all three, we didn't break it up by book or anything. We just read all three of them, which you should do because it's fun and it's different and very like wildly strange and i used this word in the podcast um and i said even though it, like kind of reveals my like maybe world traveling ignorance but it feel, felt very like exotic you know and just different than the standard fare so go listen to our episode on that i finished lightbringer earlier today in fact and wow dude i'm i understand the stress that you were in and i think that you should do yourself a solid and finish it as quickly as possible it's one of those books that you I'm just trying, race yeah. through because the entire thing is like a dumpster fire no, i like want to wrap up this episode so i can go read this freaking book and by dumpster you, fire i mean an amazing dumpster fire like i know i had a lot to say that was critical about the last two books of this series probably people are sick of hearing about it but like this one it was like we're back baby like it was just the same like triumphant like hope-filled still awful things are happening it's you know pierce brown red rising here we're talking about really awful but it has the hope is back the hope is back and so i'm really stoked for the rest of it honestly because i was kind of it's kind of getting me down a little bit there because i was like man the first three books are like like top for me those books are amazing like if someone's like i'm trying to think about getting into sci-fi what should i read be like red rising do it right now just the first three though 
Um, but it's nice to know that I can <laughs> say that it does get better after number four and five. So that was cool. I uh, finished Gardens of the Moon as well. And I really like the podcast format of breaking it up oh, each episode into like a little move. chunk. This is it's the, the move, move. Man. This is the only way I could finish this series. The only way. Talking to you about it. Yeah. Yeah. No... And how, oh, it's it's so much better than my first time. I can't believe people read these books by themselves. I can't no. believe people do this alone. This is a group activity. Good, good on you. I'm impressed. I'm not smart enough, man. No. Like I just don't have the chops. <laughs> and I read fantasy books for like a career. Right. I still am not good enough at reading fantasy books. Why we waited two years. Yeah, in order totally, to review yeah. it because we we're like man we really got to have our big boy shoes on and the first two episodes were like good but then I really feel like we hit our stride in the third episode of Malazan Gardens of the Moon which is the first one and covers the last like three books within the volume of Gardens of the Moon and man that was a killer episode we just got ended it and I was like dude that was like that was a great piece of content right there. I was really proud of it. I was stoked. Great piece of content right there. That was a great piece of content. We just had a great conversation. So anyway if you don't know now you know read Malazan Book of the Fallen with Evan and I, because it's so Everybody awesome. Everybody should read it. Everybody should read it, 100%. Unless you don't so, want to. That's cool, too. Then yeah, yeah, unless you don't want to. Then you don't have to by any means. So, okay, after we got done with our mod meeting, I was like, I'm going to start a book, Evan. What should I read? And we kind of bandied around some, like, gaming and some The Magicians. And, you know, I was, like, throwing some things out there. And then I threw, Evan saw me holding, I think, Ursi. Oh, because I dropped, I wanted. Oh. I said that I wanted to read some Ursula Le Guin. And he was like, do you have Ursi? And I was like, yes. He's like, you should read that. And my mind was like, I'm reading that. And so between then and now, I've only basically, well, I cleaned the bathroom. And then I read the first like 30 or 40 pages of A Wizard of Earthsea. And I don't think I could ever not be stoked to read a story of like a person from a small nothing village who like either through this like covers. item or natural birthright yeah. <laughs> because it gets special and then it gets sent off to like that special school to do that special thing. That's like totally. So yeah, yeah, I'm loving that. Yeah, it's an amazing book. It's, it's amazing. Like one of my favorite books ever. Yeah, it's such an incredible story, man. I think you're really going to like it. I'm calling right now Hidden Royalty. His parents aren't going to be his parents or something. He's going to be like Hidden Royalty. I'm calling I think it. I you're going to be surprised. I think you'll be surprised about this book. I'm, I'm yeah? excited to hear your thoughts on it next week for sure. Cool. Yeah. It's so thin and nice. Thank you, everyone, for yeah, in, in the Discord sure. who sent me uh, recommendations for novellas and shorter books like I asked you to. That was really awesome. Sorry, I didn't uh, respond to everyone, but I did get a large amount of responses, which I was really stoked on. I'm going to check some of those out. So I'm stoked to read Ursi, though. This is uh, exactly what I feel like. It's always good to have uh, this book that you're reading, you know, like a Dritz Duerden yeah. book or something that reminds you of your roots. I think you're really going to enjoy it, Chad. I'm 30 pages in and I'm already like, word. I'm feeling it's it. It's like one of the best fantasy books ever written, man. You think so? <laughs> when did, when, oh, when course, did Ursula yeah. write it? Because like I associate Ursula Le Guin with like really heady kind of books that make you think that are about like political yeah. structures and like, you know, governance of people's Speculative fiction. Yeah, totally, totally. And this doesn't really seem like that is going to be that. I think she wrote it in 68. Wow. Dude, how old is Ursula Le Guin? She's not alive anymore. Oh, she's really? Since, she has since passed, yeah. Man, I really need to update my like mental idea of who this author is. <laughs> yeah, I think she passed away in like 2018 or something. She lived in Portland. Okay, she, okay. She was a, I think, I don't know if she was a full-time professor at PSU, but I think she taught something at PSU. Um, so there's like quite a few people here in Portland that had gotten to meet her. And she was just really active in a lot of different organizations and stuff. This is um, the first time I'll be reading an Ursula Le Guin book. Yeah, you got some you got some books ahead of you. If you're yeah, and I've got like seven or eight different books from her. Yeah. And it's a testament to like how awesome she is, I'm sure, because uh, all of those books have been from listeners that I've accumulated over the last two years. And I have like a stack of Ursula Le Guin. And she was on my she was on my 2003. I remember you asking me at the very beginning of 2023 that uh, what I, who I wanted to kind of like 
sink my teeth into and i was like oh ursula Le Guin, and then totally didn't just never got to it yeah so here i am at the beginning of 2024 making up for it and i'm pretty stoked i'm excited for you you got some cool. really cool stuff ahead of you man she's a legend like she's just like yeah it's like tolkien ursula Le Guin, and then and then a bunch of other people would you would you put them in the same class Tolkien and Le Guin? Yes, yeah. absolutely. I mean, I, like I said, I haven't yeah. read Le Guin too much, like, more than three like pages. Tolkien, Tolkien, Ursula Le Guin, Gene Wolfe, I okay. would probably put in the same category. Wow. I mean, obviously, Tolkien is like, it's like a tiny bit, like, uh, you know, Tolkien will always be just like, just like a tiny little bit above like everybody else, for fan, totally. in my opinion, you know. Because, because everyone else writes a book and he wrote a language. Yeah, and, and there's like a lot... You know, because um, then like, like people toss Mervyn Peake in too, and like say like Mervyn Peake is like underappreciated. I still haven't read Gormenghast, uh, so I'm, I mean, I'm sure it's really really good. But I, I have a feeling like yeah, if you were gonna have like a like a the real like founding fathers of fantasy, uh, you'd have to put like it'd be like George MacDonald, I think, or Dunsinane maybe, and then also uh, like Tolkien, Le Guin, but like Mervyn Peake would probably be up there. Gene Wolfe, you know, and then I mean, because then. Like Le Guin was writing like really cool like cerebral stuff, but then also, I mean, you know, you got uh like Fritz Lieber, obviously, and then um uh, like Michael Moorcock, uh, all the uh all like the John Carter stuff is like I would call that more fantasy, honestly, than science fiction. I've seen like the Tarzan books considered fantasy, and then all the Conan stuff too. Like this, wow. all oh, the Conan books. A... Yeah, there's so many Conan books. I've read tons of those i feel like people forget that like uh, apart from tolkien there were like a ton of fantasy books coming out between tolkien and terry brooks it's not like tolkien came out and then nobody wrote fantasy and then terry brooks put out sort of shannara but i think that that's like in a lot of people's heads like i'm not trying to sound like high and mighty over here like it's i mean I, have the marketing. Stuff. I think that it just wasn't i think tolkien was seen i could be wrong about this but i feel like tolkien was seen as kind of like this runaway success who wrote like this fairy story uh this like war fairy story and it wasn't really like like in the 50s people weren't like aha the fantasy genre has become a thing and we will be now people will be fantasy authors and they will be writing fantasy books and it just wasn't really like that i don't i don't think you know no i think that uh, the lord of the rings was probably a phenomenon in its own right but it wasn't like okay now here we go writing fantasy books and fantasy is a thing. I think, I mean, kind of wrapping back around to our conversation. I mean, I feel like it was a thing and it, and there were a lot of authors like Moorcock who like inspired to make D and D. And then like, honestly, I think D and D was really the thing that like really kicked fantasy, like much more into high gear, oh, especially yeah. with like this, the satanic panic that came along with it, mm -hmm. which when you get that kind of stuff happening, counterculture is always going to spring up and it's always going to make things cool. Like it's all every single freaking time. Like once, and it's, you know what, uh, shout out to all of the, uh, the the hyper religious mothers who were extremely worried that their kids were doing Dude, best marketing every news anchor in America like talking about it. Thank you it. so much to those parents who were freaked out so much uh, yep. about their kids playing D and D because it's like man you spawned. Man, mom's freaking out about a game I'm not even playing. Let's get our hands on this game. Have you heard of uh you know that game Dead Space? Uh -huh. uh, that came out like I guess the marketing campaign was like showing moms like footage from the game in like uh focus groups and then like filming them freaking out about it and it's like, <laughs> and then they would make it into a commercial so like 
it would be like this commercial. raw footage. I know. <laughs> it's like this raw footage. Of your mom being like amazed, like, what's she looking at? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you're like, it's just like these moms, like, being like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. I can't believe anybody would play this. This is disgusting. It's satanic. It's horrible. And then all these, like, 17 year olds were like, I have to get my hands on it. I don't go pay whatever. I'll mow lawns for three months. I don't care. I need to play this. straight up. <laughs> this is so funny oh man and it's like with the parental advisory stickers that they were putting on cds those oh, really? cds Did were selling better uptick yeah yeah it was an uptick in sales because wow. people would seek out those it's it's like a total rebound effect and it happens every single freaking time it's so funny that's the streisand effect right is that what that's called where something when you intend to do something and it actually has the opposite effect of the thing it's like because barbara streisand tried to bury some story about her that she didn't want it out in the public, but oh, because she tried to bury it, was, everyone yeah. figured it out. I think that's what it is. Let me look that up real fast. The unintended consequences of attempts to hide, remove, or censor information, where the effort instead backfires. And yeah, yeah, totally. That's exactly what yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's like with um, like prohibition with like alcohol. It's like totally. Yeah, and they invented NASCAR. They did. Look at that. Yeah, we, we got NASCAR. We got NASCAR now. NASCAR. Shout out to uh, all the concerned parents in the '80s. What a what a what a crazy rambling conversation we had from Ursula Le Guin. She's just she's 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 awesome. I'm really excited to sink my teeth in. Would you consider this young adult? Percy? Like the wizard Percy? Yeah. I don't know. Okay, like, cool. No. No, that's I mean, it's about me. a young adult. I know what that means from you. It's just classic coming of age, man. Yeah. I think it's a I think it's an allegory for mental health, like uh, depression and anxiety. You think so? That's what I think that book is about. Yeah, I mean I I don't know. I don't I haven't seen any interviews with her or anything where she's um confirmed that or anything. I just that's just the way I look at the book. Hmm. Like the story is is in a way trying to help you define like mental instability and stuff. It's a story about somebody running away from something. Got it. Know? Okay. When they, sh- okay. When they shouldn't, they shouldn't right, run away right. from it. You know what I mean? Like right, because as we've discussed, every self-help book, do the hard thing. You have to confront it. Yeah. You have to like look behind you and like really, you know, assess. You turn you know? around. And, yeah, you have to turn around. And uh, yeah. So like that book, I've read that book like three times. It's really, Ooh. really amazing. And actually Rob Inglis the old, the original narrator for Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit does a really amazing reading of A Wizard of Earth um, I don't know if that's the one that's on Audible. I think I got it on Audible and then they uh, since switched it. But it might be him. When you're listening to someone reading a book, do you like them? How character-ish do you like them to be? Let's say they're really good at characters and you want, do you want them to be like very different in each character talking or do you want it to be kind of different, but you know, it's obviously a different character, but it's not like this crazy voice, you know? Uh, I don't know. I think it just depends on the narrator and like the voice. Okay. That's a very unhelpful answer. I don't know, but like, I, just, <laughs> I, I appreciate it. I think it's cool. I mean, it just depends because I think it depends on like, I think some narrators like really crush a lot of different voices. And then there's always just like one, like um, Jim Dale's Professor Grubbly Plank in the harry potter books it's just grating it's like it's like it's the worst i i can't stand it uh like the way that he does that voice is like the worst voice acting i've ever heard in my life is <laughs> jim dale's professor grubbly plank it's so stupid but his uh hagrid is really really amazing his snape is really good i i honestly like really like the way that jim dale does snape i think it's really cool uh michael page the guy who reads uh, Malazan, not my favorite. Like, I've heard of some other things that he's done, which were really good, but he's not good for Malazan. Like, he just, he's too charactery. His quick bend is, like, really high voice. All the things that I, specific to a character. I don't think that you're listening to the Michael Page one. Are you not? Did, are, so, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I mean, are you no, listening no, to good. the one on YouTube? Um, no. No, I'm not. There's, a, there's an audiobook reading on YouTube, and I don't know... I think there's two different narrators for Malazan. I've listened to very little of it because I couldn't really, I don't really like the guy's voice who was doing it. 
I don't like his voice is his voice is fine. Sure. The, 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 one of them is Ralph Lister, who also does the Mage Errant books really, really well. Um, but Michael Page does the Lies of Locke Lamora books. And I think Michael Page uh, is doing, he didn't do the first two Malazan books. And if you were listening to them on audiobook before, you might have gotten to the ones that Michael Page started doing. Uh, okay. Then I'm, no, I don't think I'm talking about Michael Page then. I just have a, him in my brain as the guy who does the Malazan books. And I know that he does the Locke Lamora. And so I was like, man, I really enjoyed him in that one, but I'm not enjoying whoever is reading it. Um, <laughs> and, the, and the one that I'm listening to now. Yeah, Michael Page, I think, starts with Midnight Tides, which is book five. Oh. Uh, but Ralph Lister does the first four. And right, Ralph Lister is Lister. really good. Like, it's awesome. Like, he does a I terrific don't like job. His at it. If he's the one that I'm listening to. Oh, so you think it's Michael Page, but it's not Michael Page. It's my, I, it's I, think it's, I think it's Ralph okay, Lister. Yeah. 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 Sorry if we and lost any of our listeners in this. I don't know. They're just like, no, this is kidding me. This is stuff is gold. No, sorry, guys. <laughs> but there's just a few characters that I'm just like, if you can't make it sound like a real character, then don't do it. Like that's the problem with making them too well, zany, right? Because no one actually talks like, like that. Like, you know? But other people might like the real character thing. Like, I mean, no, no. I mean, just don't don't make it so zany that it sounds like like nobody talks like this. You know, like <laughs> it's like what you know. I don't know. And it's like I don't know. Some I just talk like that. I'm just upset about the quick band voice that he ascribed to one of my favorite. The quick band voice threw me off a little bit. That was He's the like, only yeah, one. Yeah. I think I think most of his I think most of his voices are pretty good. But yeah, the quick bend one, I was like, that's not what that guy sounds like. Yeah, maybe I guess I could get a little overly protective of my favorite characters, you know. Just I hope he doesn't yeah. mess up Carsa Orlong, because he's probably, which we haven't gotten to yet, but he's probably my favorite character of all fantasy books, because uh, he's just so, so great. Uh, the only thing uh, else that I wanted to talk about here was uh, last week you told me to watch Onward, and I watched hey. Onward, and I loved Onward. Yeah, it was great. What a what a nice awesome film that is. What a nice awesome film that was. It was just like everybody learns lessons. It was a happy ending for everybody. There was a few moments that you're just like, no, like don't kick him while he's down. Like the brothers is gonna turn out to be an incompetent fool, you know. And then it just works out so great. Dragon fight at the end. Always love me ending with a dragon fight. The Manticore character was like the funniest character in any time. she's like yeah, being interviewed really by the police it's like um last name manticore first name the, like, the? <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I, funny. I mean i think that it's funny like i think that i watched raya and the last dragon shortly after i, I finished onward man i think that it was because i had watched onward and the the writing the, the whoever's writing pixar movies it's they're such good writers and like such good writers they they really like there's so many Chekhov's guns you know like in pixar movies like a, can you explain to those who don't know what a Chekhov gun is oh sure it's like an old it's like a writing technique where if you have a gun uh, it's like a rule if, if there's a gun in a scene in the beginning of the play or the movie then by the end of the movie the gun needs to be fired so it's a, totally. it's a way of saying like don't have useless stuff if you're going to introduce elements yeah, don't have useless stuff. If you're going to introduce something specific, then you should have some symmetry and use it later and like have it be important, like just cut right. all the fat out of your story. But anyway, uh, with Onward, I feel like they did that so many times with like every little thing had like a callback, you know? Yeah. It was like everything just fit like so well. And I was like, I really love it in movies and in books and stuff where I'm like, how are they going to end this? Like, this is, yeah. where's this going? And then when the end comes, you're just like, that's awesome. Like, what Dude, a good I was idea. I a little. You know? 
It was really good. It was so <laughs> emotional. Cool like he ends yeah. up giving it. Uh, I won't give it away. You need to watch Onward <laughs> yeah, if you haven't seen it. I'm not being paid by Pixar. So funny. Doing the Manticore is like Which we being the, paid by the mom's asking about the curse, and then in order to explain visually the curse, the Manticore rips her sleeves off. She's got the whole thing like tattooed on her. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so good. Oh my gosh, I was dying. It, oh god, it was so good. They're, they're like American Ghibli movies, you know. Yeah, yeah. But, well said. It's. It broke my heart a little bit every time that he pulled out his little notebook and then like cross off one of the things that he wasn't going to have time to do with his father. I was like, wow, it's brutal. What an emotional journey. But good recommendation, man. That was awesome. Of course. And that's all I got. That was my week. Oh, cool. All right. Yeah. Hell yeah. We had read a bunch. I mean, okay. I I can I I'm gonna through a series of like totally unfortunate and unforgivable series of decisions. I kind of forgot about. He who fights with monsters this week because I was so podcasting. Don't you only have like a hundred pages left for that last? Less than, less than. I need to, I need to put a period on the sentence. What I've been really trying to do in our like, and I don't know, we talked about. I won't belabor the point, but what I've been really trying to do here is just read one book at a time. Even though I've read like three books, finished stuff, but like on the podcast. I read it's like Binti, we're just discovering it. that this year. I know, dude. I know. Like, I know. I've developed some bad habits, but I just read Binti all the way, finished it. Just read Lightbringer all the way, finished it. Just read Gardens of the Moon as opposed to like this three at the same time. And man, it's so nice to be able to like close the back cover, be like, uh, done, write my notes for the podcast yeah. and just be ready. Uh, it's been helping me out a lot. No, that's like what we need to do now. Like, I don't know what we were thinking last year. I was reading like yeah. seven books at a time. It was so stupid. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to like call out anybody else's reading habits. No, reading just ours. That many books at a, at a time is, it's not it, Bestie. Like, you got yeah. to read like one or two books at a time. Totally. Yeah. Like, even if you, I mean, I usually do remember pretty much everything. Um, it's incredible. Of importance of a book that I'm reading, but like, and even some of like, not. Huh? I said, and even some of not, like the chapter names in Harry Potter. What? How do you remember oh, yeah, that? I remember all those. Yeah, oh, how could you not remember that? It's it's time to go. You know that there's 17 chapters in the first Harry Potter book. How would you not know that? Dude, how would you? Okay, for those who don't know, <laughs> I once it was like, on a podcast episode and it was, I don't know, our first year of doing it or something. And I was just like testing Evan, having fun with him one day. And I was like, hey, Evan, could you give me all of the chapter names in book one and Harry Potter book one in a row? And he got to the third book before messing one up like the chapter names in a row all the way to the third book and the only mess up that he had was he just skipped one he went to like it was like the went to the 14th to the 16th and it was incredible but like i don't think i think that's a pretty rare thing i don't think many people could do that evan like i've read those books here a bunch of times i couldn't tell you one chapter name from any of the books at all and nope none zero I cannot remember any. You gotta be able to do i could guess that's, that hogwarts I, is one I think one of the chapter names is just hogwarts probably <laughs> I have no idea. I, like I said, it's like that's not a thing that I remember about the story. My brain yeah, doesn't totally. capture those bits of data. I feel like the chapter names are so important. How? The, I don't know. They just feel important. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't remember a lot of the important stuff, too. So, like, I'm not surprised. Totally. Even if it was important, I still probably would be singing the same tune. But I, I think I think I'm more on the regular side of this one here. I bet you very few people could list off chapter names from books. I really hope that's the case anyway, because maybe I'm just stupid. I bet most people would be able to name like one chapter from the first book. You think so? You're in the minority there. Absolutely. Yeah. Are you messing with me? Are you like no, fucking with me right not. now? No, I don't remember like, any of the chapter names. I can see the little image like they drew a little picture of them like uh, like of, of there's like a little image on the in the first book like that accompanies each chapter name and I can see some of those in my head. Which one? Let's let's hear it. What, what do you got? There's one with the wand and sparkles coming out the end and there's yeah, on one a, with an owl. And it's on like a chair. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well what's a, what's give me a chapter name? I feel like everyone else needs one at least so they can be like what are these chapter names? Are they so quiet? They're so crazy. I don't Diagonally. remember anyone. What's the first one? 
the boy who Diagon lived. Alley. Okay, yeah, yeah. See, yeah, I can yeah. remember so them now, as you tell me. Yeah, like if anybody like, tells you, or if anybody's like, name, if, if for some reason you're in a situation where you have to sure. name one chapter from the first book, <laughs> just remember. You, you say that Alley. like it's an incredible thing that I don't, and maybe it is, but I feel like I'm in my own minority. I think it's kind of weird, honestly. Like, Dude, because you've always had a brain. They're a cultural that works... phenomenon. Like they're. they're, 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 they're like... <laughs> yeah, but you've always had a brain that remembers things really well. So it's like natural to you to be able to sure, like, remember yeah, that. I'm I am sorry, not. I mean, I feel, and I yeah, feel like, yeah. no, you're not being a dick, but I just feel like. I feel like, I, like I said, I'm the, the minority here. I feel like more people would be like, yeah, no, I don't remember any of the chapter names from the books that I read. Um, <laughs> well, no, I'm, see, I'm not, I don't remember everything from every book I read, every chapter. No, no, just, but like any. Just those ones. Yeah, just those ones in particular, because I've been reading mm-hmm. Harry Potter like consistently since I was like I could eight years sing old. you the books of the Bible. <laughs> I know those chapter names. <laughs> I think that's somehow dorkier than what I can do. <laughs> definitely. Definitely it is. But there's probably like the I think um there's like a uh, if you put it to rhyme actually it's like easier to remember though oh for sure yeah I was doing like a name all the states quiz or something on my computer and they didn't give you a map or anything you just have to name all fifty states from memory and I was doing it and I got to like number forty eight or something and I was like struggling and Effie was just like I can do that right now and I was like what <laughs> do it and then she did it like flawlessly and I was like how did you do that but she did it because it was like a song that they memorized when when she was in school and I was like that's cheating like that's not like you didn't like bring that up from memory. That's like a mnemonic device that like works every single time. Yeah, but, I dude. mean it works. I got like, all it, the it, capital cities of South America from the like Buenos Aires, Argentina, Sucre, Bolivia, Brasilia, I Brazil. No I got it. Is. You know, how come I didn't Santiago, learn Chile. Help me with my memory? I didn't it learn really helps. Except for the but like the alphabet. That's the classic. Do you know the alphabet and Twinkle Twinkle Little Star? The same song. What the hell? Wow. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I, I figured that out when I was like 28 and I was just like, well, holy shit. This is blowing my mind right now. When you're trying to like look up someone's name or something and it's alphabetized, do you sing the song to yourself to try to figure it out or do you say the letters? Are you like A, B, C, D, are you like A, B, C, D, and G, you know? I like picture them. Really? Like in order. faster. But not like all 26 of them. I like like locate where the letter would be in that general area of the alphabet. Totally. Yeah, I have it divided in kind of like areas in my mind too. Yeah, totally. So like it's A like to F, it's, you know. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Though. It's just like, uh, what does, does H come after? Where? It's like, oh, I know. E, F, G. Yeah, H. totally. Yeah. Yeah. I don't sing them. I don't think. I don't think so. I do I, I do either. But I heard one of my friends the other day do it because he was trying to look something up and he was like, hey, and he like sung the song to himself. And I was like, really? I wonder if he does that every time. And I bet you millions of people do that every time. <laughs> you know? He does that every time. Yeah. I was uh, like, that seems no. like. Rather, rather juvenile thing for you to still be doing. Um, or you just think you wouldn't have to use it anymore, you know? But, like, how many times are you driving with somebody and they hold up their L to figure out where left is? It's like, man, you've only had the two options all of your life, you Dude, know? Seriously, like, I mean, I, I remember being, like, 12 years old and, like, somebody in my class uh, was, like, someone said, like, oh, he can't... And this is when I was 12, so just give me credit. I was just being an <laughs> asshole, but, like, like <laughs> I, like, made fun of a kid for not knowing left from right. And I was just like, oh, what an idiot. Like, this... <laughs> Yeah, I made fun of a kid for not being able to read a hand clock one time, but I taught him how to read the hand clock at the end of it. So, because I felt really bad because it was not really I was a cool. Jerk when I was a kid. Yeah, I feel, I feel like all kids are kind of jerks. And then I'd get upset when people made fun of me. You know? Yeah, totally. <laughs> I was just, like constantly making fun of people, and the second someone did it to me, I was like, eh, oh, I, can't it. <laughs> I think it's from growing up with a brother. 
Yeah, yeah, that helps a lot. Okay, to make make fun of everybody, you know, dude. Yeah, dude. My brother had this friend that was like a Eagle Scout, and he was really into like knots and like booby traps. And they would call me knowing that like little bro Chad was super desperate to hang out with them because they were always off doing cool stuff in the forest, which is right by our house. They would call me over, and then they'd like position themselves so like the booby trap was between me and them. So they'd be like, "Hey, Chad, come here. We need you for like a third person for a game we're playing or something." The next thing you know, I'd be hanging upside down by a leg in a tree. They literally set that up one time. like tension and stuff it was crazy it was a really good trap and then they always just run off and leave me there and then i'd be you know be found by his mom like two hours later yeah you can die that way yeah absolutely upside down for a few hours it was awful honestly really terrible so sorry that's the worst okay dude one time they tied me i had a crush on this neighbor girl they tied me to a chair and wrote chad has a crush on that girl's name i don't remember what it was and then carried the chair and then left me in front of her house after ding dong ditching the door. Like, yeah, not a great old, I mean, my, I love my older brother. He's awesome. But, uh, you know, real, really toughened me up. But I definitely went through the little brother woes, no doubt. That's yeah. too much. Don't mess yeah. with Yeah, yeah sometimes. Like but I feel like it also toughens you up a little bit, you know, and some of it's pretty funny. <laughs> no, <laughs> but it they definitely crossed the line. You almost times. died, like, it I, sounds like. Sounds, yeah, well, then I look like back, I'm like, that was died. not cool, though. Like, the, yeah, there's some <laughs> there's some definite uh, moments, some memories that I have that I'm like, you know, in retrospect, that was perhaps a bit abusive. <laughs> Dude, when I lived in Arizona, like, we used to go out, and this is like rural Arizona, like Kingman, but we would go out into like the undeveloped desert. We, we had like BB gun fights where we would like yeah. have BB guns. And like, you know, a BB gun, like probably won't kill you, but like no. it could kill a 12 year old. Like yeah, if it gets in your eye, I've had them stuck yeah, in my leg like, before. No, seriously. Like, I mean, like you could die, you could die if you get shot with a BB gun. You will, probably won't, but like, you know, you get like seriously injured. Yeah. You just go out there and like shoot eye. each other with BB guns. Dude, I had a blowgun fight one time with my friend. That's stupid. And I remember That's halfway through it being like, I'm right. actually scared right now. Um, <laughs> this is so dumb. But I took him in the leg, fortunately, and then I was like, "Bro, I don't want to play this game anymore. This is not fun." And I remember specifically being like, "Not head hit," and I changed my because I we saw each other, and I was like, both aiming, you know, headshot, and then I was like, oh, "No, I should just hit his leg." And then, fortunately, he didn't hit me, and, and I was like, "Dude, we should stop. This is really dumb." Yeah, that's really dangerous. Yeah, I came around Jeez. a corner one time, and my little, little my littlest sister was holding up a dartboard, like a like a dart dartboard, like a real one for my cousin and my other sister, <laughs> while they threw darts. Wow. At it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Dude, like, yeah, that's that's ridiculous. It's amazing any of us got through childhood, honestly. That's going to do it for us today, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Monday morning episode. Chad and I have a, a bunch of stuff coming out here. We're saying we've got our first throw in a glass episode coming out next week. The Binti episode just released. We got an, another Malazan episode coming out soon. The first Dead House Gates episode. I'm so excited to read that. Uh, we've got some interviews coming up soon. Some really cool features to the Discord. Yep, we've got a lot of really awesome developments coming soon, everybody. So stay tuned. And again, thank you so much for listening to the Book Reviews Code podcast. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. We do have a Patreon. We've got a Discord. We've got a YouTube lots and lots of different stuff you can go check out but for now i'm just gonna say hope you have an amazing rest of your day and of course happy reading bye everybody